it is. Okay? It's like, all I want is the God of the universe. And that's enough, really. <laughs> you know, in reality, is there anything more than that? No. He's, he's all in all. He fills everything. Um, <clears throat> and, and yet, it's the right response. You know, it's the right thing to cry out. And I really sense before uh, service in prayer that man, oh, we can ask for whatever we want. You know why? Because we have Him. Because He's all we want. And He has everything. There is nothing that we can't ask for. Alright? Just, just, let's just think about that for a minute. Alright? Okay, that is true on an individual level. That is true as a church. Okay? In a body. It's true for your family. It's true for your finances. It's true for your health. It's true for your mind. It's true for your emotions. Whatever. And then, <clears throat> then connected to that was during worship. And um, this is really strong. And so I'm really respecting this. I believe it's a reality. Um, <clears throat> that uh, I just had a sense that the angel of the Lord, and without going into a lot of uh, explanation as to what that term means, <clears throat> But it, it basically is a manifest presence of God, God, ex, God visiting in 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 a in a very real way. I actually, in my mind's eye, saw him, an angel of the Lord. So God's presence. There's kind of like this weird differentiation between an angel of God and God's presence. But uh, <clears throat> come in and sit down. Okay, and he actually—I don't have a chair over here—but he just sat down and crossed his legs, and he had a had a little uh, clipboard and a pen, and he was looking around. All right, and he's still here. All right, like in the spirit, I sense him. And 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 you think, oh, the angel of the Lord here—you know—is he here for judgment? Is he here for blessing? <laughs> but this is the context in which I I felt that he's here. He's here like a scouting agent. Okay, you hear me? How many have ever been on a, a ba- basketball, baseball team, right? You know, ever or watched a movie <laughs> about someone? Okay, <laughs> I mean that's the level I know. And like, like they or or or, or uh, uh, you know, you're you're in a band and they hear that you know someone from uh, you know the recording industry in the old days <laughs> um, is in the audience. And so the band members are all like really geeked and they want to do their best because there's an opportunity that they might get signed for a contract, right? Or if you're playing baseball and you, and you find out that a scouting agent for the big leagues <coughs> is in the, in the stadium and they're looking for somebody. They're not here to scout me out. All right. Does that make sense? No. All right. Father, <clears throat> Lord, we just welcome your presence and we just ask that, Lord, uh, we do just welcome your presence, Lord. And we want not to perform for you, but we want to perform with you. Lord, we want to be your servants and we just uh, we want to uh, be your representatives here on the earth. And we invite you to come and influence us and direct our lives so that we can be a greater influence in our world. Father, we ask for more. We ask for more of Your presence, Lord. 
We ask, Lord, if you say ask for anything, Lord, I ask for complete health, Father, on me and my family and everyone here. Father, I pray for strength and endurance. Father, I pray for wisdom, Father, and courage. Uh, Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to increase. Father, the influence of your word and your wisdom to overflow every other influence in my life, in our lives. Father, we do ask for financial provision, Father, as well. We ask for jobs for those who do not have jobs. We ask for the ability to increase, Lord, to earn wealth, Father, and to have dominion as, as you called us to. And so we lay all these things in your feet in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you turn to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6? <clears throat> And this is really uh, ties into the introduction. What I'm going to talk about today and the next several weeks is um, concerning the kingdom of God. And we're just going to begin by reading Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. <clears throat> it says, a very familiar verse, normally read around Christmas time because it has to do with the coming of the Messiah. And um, Isaiah, of course, wrote in ancient times, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born, um, uh, prophesying that uh, this Messiah, this ruler would come. And, and this is the words that God put on the mouth of Isaiah to speak about this one who was to come, uh, who was Jesus Christ, hundreds of years before He was born. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on His shoulder. Think about that for a minute. How many have responsibility to bear the weight of something? The Bible says the government, the rule, will be upon His shoulder. And His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. <laughs> Upon the throne of David and over His kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Alright? So who's going to accomplish the kingdom coming? The zeal of the Lord. Okay? God's zeal, His passion will bring this truth uh, to pass. What truth? The truth that a, a Messiah will come and a government, a kingdom will be established that will, uh, will, will execute righteousness and justice. Okay? Listen, there's a big difference between justice and judgment. Most people, when they hear this talk, kind of talk, they, they feel like scared. <laughs> you know, because they know that they deserve judgment. But if you have been wronged, what you desire is justice. You want a judge to come and make right the wrong that's been done to you. Right? If someone stole something, you want someone to come and enforce justice. And that's what Christ is going to come. His reign is going to come and establish justice. So what we're going to do in this series today, and probably next week, <laughs> I'm going to uh, kind of give an introduction to the idea of what is the kingdom of God. And then we're going to follow it with there's, there's three New Testament um, responses or actions that uh, the kingdom of God or encountering the kingdom of God really demands. They're responses that are demanded. 
of us. Okay, in response to encountering the kingdom. But we need to understand what the kingdom of God is about. <clears throat> and I was trying to think of a, an illustration how I could uh, explain uh, why this is difficult. And if you can imagine, if you would, like an alien from a different planet showed up <clears throat> at your doorstep, and like all good science fiction movies, he spoke perfect English. <laughs> right? And, and asked you, all right, so this person who has no concept of human history comes in and says, you know, I've heard about this United States. Could you explain it to me? What, what is the United States of America? What, what is America? What, what does that mean? And, and it wouldn't be enough just to say, well, <clears throat> it's the government over our land, because he'd go, what is government and what is land? What do you mean, over? And you kind of have to go, well, well, human civilization consists of, you know, relationships between individuals and groups, right? And over time, relationships developed and society developed, and, you know, and you kind of have to give a historical perspective about how eventually here we are in a place where we elect our own leaders. All right, and every four years they can change, although nothing much else changes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, all right, uh, and uh, you know, so it's that's the kind of way it is with and talking about the kingdom of God is that there's like it's so big that you have to start with such fundamentals, but I really don't have time in the next in two sermons just to kind of cover the whole of, of the kingdom. So I'm just going to kind of highlight a few things. And I believe it's important now to discuss this because the world is in the midst of a state of confusion that I don't think I've... I personally have never experienced. The love. It's almost to the state of panic where people are just scared about everything. You know, every year we have flu. Every year, you know, I just I sent it out. You can look at my Facebook. There's, I put up the statistics. Like millions of people get the flu every year, and this is not any different than what it was every other year. But all of a sudden, everybody's scared about it. Everybody's scared about this, and everybody's scared about that. And there's there's a, there's just this intensity of feelings. <clears throat> and I think that also um, understanding how the kingdom of God fits in with human civilization and the place of the church and us as individuals brings order, all right? And if we can understand how things are ordered, it will help us respond in a way that brings His peace and His righteousness. But we have to understand the kingdom. And as a church, we must become kingdom-oriented, all right? Say kingdom-oriented. Alright, and that, this is really the key. <clears throat> I think this is important as we jump to two services, and it's, and it's gonna change some of the things of how, uh, we function as a church, although this is working out pretty good so far. <laughs> you know, but it kind of makes us change our focus, and as a church, we need to be kingdom oriented. As individuals, we need to be kingdom oriented, because Christ is about establishing His kingdom. 
Alright? And these prophecies are about His kingdom. And it just really does put a lot of things into perspective when you keep in mind, when you have a good understanding of the kingdom of God. Alright, <clears throat> we're going to uh, uh, read a couple of Old Testament prophecies about this kingdom. And again, there's so many I could have chosen, but I just kind of zeroed in on a couple of the primary ones. One is from Daniel chapter 2, verse 44 through 47. Daniel 2.44. And I can't go into all the details. Read the book. It's all there <clears throat> about the, the dream that the king had. And he calls uh, Daniel to come in and interpret the dream. And uh, Daniel interprets the dream and he gives this explanation. He says, in the days of these kings, and he describes all these uh, kingdoms that would arise and be crushed. It says, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Okay, so basically, Daniel kind of says that this dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had was the course of human history, but at a particular point in human history, God was going to intervene and establish a kingdom that would never be destroyed. And that's the point of the whole dream. A lot of people have spent a lot of time arguing about all the other details. It says, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall not break in, I'm sorry, it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Insomuch as you saw, the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands. So it's not an earthly contrived kingdom, but a, a God uh, made. It was not cut with hands. And that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. This dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. I like Daniel's. He's talking to the king. He says, this is the truth, bud. <laughs> king Nebuchadnezzar, most powerful man on earth at the time, fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. And the king answered Daniel and said, Truly, your God is the God of God, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. So he was impressed. He knew that that was it. And then another prophecy concerning the kingdom in Daniel. Uh, Daniel says in chapter 7, verse 13, 713, says, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with Clouds, the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him. Listen, verse 14. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. So again, speaking of the kingdom, a lot more in Daniel about the kingdom. And so the Old Testament, many, many uh, uh, books throughout the Old Testament and a theme throughout the Old Testament is this coming kingdom that God would uh, establish. It was looking to the future, right? In the New Testament, there's some uh, prophecies as well concerning the kingdom of God. And we're going to read one in Revelations chapter 5, verse 8. Now, Revelations is kind of an interesting book, right? <laughs> because it was written 
After Jesus had come and lived and was crucified, buried, rose again, He ascended into heaven. The church was growing in John in prison on the island of Patmos uh, for, for His faith, had these visions and wrote them down. And that's the revelation, the book of Revelation. It's a revelation not of the end times, it's a revelation of Christ. Okay, it's it's Christ being revealed, and it 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 does refer to future events uh, as well as what's happening now. It's a, it's a very interesting book. Uh, Revelation chapter five, verse eight through fourteen. So here's John. Now, after Jesus had come and begun his ministry, and the church is now established. Speaking, it says, now when um, he, in a vision he saw, when he had taken the scroll, he, uh, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. This is speaking of Jesus Christ, each having a harp. So uh, John is seeing what's happening in the heavens. That uh, Jesus took this scroll, and and all the creatures in heaven fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense. Uh, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Kind of sounds like that Old Testament prophecy, doesn't it? All right? He's, he's seeing the fulfillment of it. And have made us kings and priests. So here's how we come into it. We're kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Okay? This is an innumerable number. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom, strength and honor, glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are is in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, What they say? Amen. Is that how they said it? Amen! Amen! And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped Him. Who lives forever and ever. And so we see this future, you know, John seeing what's happening in the heavenlies. And we also know that there is a promise of a future fulfillment when Christ comes and every nation, every tongue um, bows before him. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. All right? So we have it in the past and we have it in the future. What lies between the past, right, and the future? The present. And so what I want to do is talk mainly about how the kingdom of God deals with the present, uh, how the future fulfillment and the present reality of the kingdom really is kind of mixed. Did you hear that? The future fulfillment and and the present reality is mixed. And there's a lot of teaching concerning this. There's a theology called Kingdom Now Theology, and there's a lot of good aspects in it, but there's been a lot of errors as well that's come through trying to understand how do you integrate the rule of Christ, the Kingdom of God, into our present day life. I mean, to the place where some people you know, had thought the the king was God's representative and spoke with the authority of the of God and, and got kind of confused there. <clears throat> and I don't want to go into all of uh, the differences and the, and the errors that were made in the past, 
But we want to learn how we can apply and live in the authority of the King in the present day. Alright? Okay, a few Scriptures. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Why don't you turn to that? Matthew 4, 17. It says, From the time Jesus began to preach uh, and say, this is what Jesus preached. What did He say? Repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Alright? In another place, uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in all their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease among people. And so this is what Jesus preached. Alright? Are you listening? Jesus talked continually about the kingdom of God. This is what John the Baptist came and said, the kingdom of God, repent for the kingdom of God. It's almost here. And Jesus came and said the same thing. Repent for the kingdom of God. It's at hand. It's, 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 it's right at the, we're at the verge of it. And, and repent. And then, and then the healing, His healing ministry flowed out of the manifestation of the kingdom. This is what the disciples did. Luke chapter 9. It says that He called His twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. How many want that? You want power over demons? You want to be able to cure all diseases? How many want it? Alright. <clears throat> Remember, there's an agent, there's a representative of the Lord here and He's looking. He, he just saw how, how, how you, you know, He can see your heart. Do you really want it? Because uh, <clears throat> it's, it's there. Why? Why is it there? Because it's part of the kingdom. And He sent them to preach what? The kingdom of God and to heal the sick. This is what Paul did. Acts 28. Paul dwelt two whole years. This is Acts 28, verse 30. This is the end of the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles. So the book of Acts is all about the early church. And it sets the course for... Uh, who we are and what we do. And it kind of concludes with Paul living in his own rented house and he received all who came. And this is what he did. He preached the kingdom of God. Alright? And teaching things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with confidence. No one forbidding him. So let's have a definition for the kingdom of God. This is from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. Does that sound official? I mean, if it's in there, it's got to be right, okay? <laughs> I just thought it was kind of a presumptuous title for a book. <laughs> this is the standard. But uh, there's a nice little uh, quote from it. It says, The kingdom of God is one of the most remarkable ideas and phrases of all time. Having begun to be used very near the beginning of history and continuing in force down to the present day, its use by Jesus is... By far, its most interesting aspect, for for in this synopsis in the in the first three gospels, at least it is his watchword. And listen to this, or a comprehensive term for the whole of his teaching. All right. So, what is the kingdom of God? It's a comprehensive term for the whole of what Jesus Christ taught and did. Yeah. Of this, the ordinary reader of Scripture may hardly be aware. <laughs> but, the, but it becomes evident and significant to the student. Are you an ordinary reader or are you a student? The agent here is, is keeping track. <laughs> All right. Adam Clark 
commentary, a commentator I kind of like, uh, referring to this phrase, the kingdom is, of heaven is at hand, says this. This, is, again, is written quite a while ago, so the wording is a little uh, awkward, but I'll try to interpret. <laughs> uh, it says, referring to the prophecy of Daniel, okay, the kingdom of, uh, of God is at hand, or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So it's clearly Jesus and John the Baptist were referring back to the fulfillment of that prophecy from Daniel. It says, where the reign of Christ among men is expressly foretold. This phrase, and the kingdom of God, means the same thing. So the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, and basically everywhere you see kingdom, it's really talking, that's synonymous. Alright? It's talking about the same thing. And some people get all whacked and try to make it mean different things. But it's the same thing. It means the dispensation of infinite mercy. That sounds pretty good. How many want infinite mercy? And manifestation of eternal truth. That's even better. Mercy and truth. By Christ Jesus producing the true knowledge of God accompanied with that worship which is pure and holy, worthy of that, that God who is its institutor and its object. So God both institute and is the object of our worship. All right? Isn't it? It's wonderful. So the response there is worship. But why is this called a kingdom? Adam Clark asks. Because it has laws, all the moral precepts of the gospel. It has subjects, all who believe in Christ Jesus. And it has a king. All right? The sovereign of the heaven and earth. Jesus Christ never saved a soul which he did not govern. Nor is this Christ precious or estimable to any man who does not feel the spirit of subjection to the divine will. In other words, if you're in subjection, if you've been submitted, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord, you want to respond with worship. He is precious in your sight. But why is it called the kingdom of heaven? Because God designed that His kingdom of grace here should resemble the kingdom of glory above. Alright? Remember when God showed Moses how to build the tabernacle because it was a pattern of heavenly things? Alright? And the tabernacle is actually like a flannel graph representation for us of the kingdom of God. How many... Everybody's like, flannel graph? <laughs> uh, what would be a better? Is like a video game representation? <laughs> a two-dimensional? Yeah, it was three-dimensional though. <laughs> a sim <laughs> version of the kingdom. Alright, so God designed His kingdom here to resemble the kingdom of glory. Kingdom of grace here to resemble the kingdom of glory above. And hence our Lord teaches us to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink, says St. Paul, does not consist of the gratification of sensual pleasures or sensual passions or worldly ambitions, but is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We'll talk about that more in a couple of weeks. Now what can... Now, what can there be more than this in glory? You know, if that's what the kingdom of God is, what more could there be in heaven? Think of it. Righteousness without mixture of sin. Peace without strife or contention. Joy in the Holy Ghost. 
spiritual joy without mixture of misery. And all this, it is possible by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to enjoy here below. Okay? That's this idea of the kingdom that will be fulfilled being experienced or mixed into our present reality. We can experience that now. When Jesus taught us to pray, kingdom come, it's a command. We are to command the kingdom to come to invade our present reality, to make it real now in our day. Okay? How does heaven uh, itself differ from this state? It makes the righteous eternal, the peace eternal, and the joy eternal. In other words, in heaven it will be realized completely and eternally without any, any, uh, any mixture of sin or sickness or, or the curse. This is the heaven of heavens. The phrase kingdom of heaven is frequently used by rabbinical writers and always means the purity of divine worship and the blessedness which the righteous man feels when employed in it. All right. Further adds that the kingdom is at hand. Uh, this dispensation of the glorious gospel was now about to be fully opened, and the people, of the, of the the Jews that were being preached to in the time of the New Testament, were to have the first offer of salvation. But listen, this kingdom is also at hand to us, to you. All right. And wherever Christ crucified is preached, there is salvation to be found. Okay. Jesus is proclaimed to thee, and this is where he goes into his preaching to the reader. He says, Jesus is proclaimed to thee, O man, O woman, O child, as infinitely able and willing to save. Believe in his name, cast thy soul upon his atonement, and enter into the rest. So wherever Christ is preached, there is the opportunity for the kingdom to come. Alright? So it's, it's here. So, just kind of closing the idea, the kingdom is simply the, the reign, the dominion of the king. It's wherever the authority of the king is evident. It's now and, both, and, and to come. It's imminent, yet it's also presently active. Okay? It's now and not yet is the term that's generally used. Now, the now and not yet. It's not the church... But it's not separate from the church, nor is the church separate from it. And this is where a lot of confusion comes in. And think of the church as embassies of the kingdom in foreign countries. When you walk into an embassy, you're on sovereign territory. Okay? And you feel like, I know what the rules here. Okay? Even though it's located in a foreign land. That's what a church is. Okay? Uh, the kingdom isn't the church, but the church is not distinct from the kingdom. And the church has authority because it's part of the kingdom, but the kingdom means more than just the church. And we're ambassadors of the kingdom. And ambassadors generally go to the embassy. It's all about citizenship. Yeah, <laughs> he wants to preach now. <laughs> so my, my exhortation to you is, you know, gets, he's got he's got to go get an interview, uh, Graham, with uh, citizenship. What tomorrow? On Wednesday this week, right? And that's that's what we all have to do. Are we citizens of heaven? How do you become a citizen of heaven? You accept the rule of Jesus Christ as your Lord, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning.
Uh, I'd like to welcome any guests that are here with us today. If you are a guest, attach to your bulletin as a connection card, and you can fill it out and bring it to the connection counter at the back of the room because we'd love to give you a gift for coming to thank you. All right, we do have a couple of announcements. Welcome to two services, everyone. Huh? What do you think? This is pretty cool. Um, all right, so right after this, there's going to be um, uh, refreshments and um, juice and coffee in the family room for those who want to, you know, have a bite to eat and see people. And we'll be getting first or second service people coming in. And so this is like the kind of the intermingling time. So you can look for that. Also in the family room today, there's a coat swap happening. Thanks to Carrie Miller. If you have any questions, you can ask her. Um, there's a whole bunch of coats. You can just take what you need and bring things that um, you're done with with your kids. And um, next week and the week after, they're going to be um, available. So um, if you didn't participate today, you can um, next week or throughout this week during our office times, you can bring stuff in and and um, and people can go ahead and shop, right? Without money, hey? Isn't that cool? Saves us something. All right, and then also the Japan trip is, is leaving in a couple weeks for uh, Japan, the team, and um, they are also um, continuing to fundraise, and you still have opportunities to give if you would like to. Um, you can donate... Um, directly to certain people on the um, offering envelope where it says other you can indicate who you'd like to give to towards their trip um, also for the turkey dinner they're going to have a thanksgiving in japan and bless the people in the church with thanksgiving and so you can give specifically to that or um, you can give to a just general trip fund and it will get um, put where it needs to so uh, just indicate that on your offering envelope for the next couple weeks until they go and then also, who remembers that actually next Sunday is Daylight Savings? Yes, interesting, isn't it? Um, so we are going to be uh, falling back. So we're gaining an hour. So everybody gets to sleep in an hour, but just, just a little tidbit for you. And then also um, schedules for uh, all this, what we're doing on Sunday mornings and through the week, are all on the website. And the website is updated regularly. So if you need any information about what's happening or what maybe you're on schedule for, go ahead and check the website, and it will all be there, all right? All right, uh, ushers, if you could come forward and get ready to take the offering. And uh, let's uh, pray together for it. All right. Father, we just thank you so much that your kingdom is on this earth. I thank you, God, that we can um, be full citizens in this uh, land that we live. And I just pray, Father, that your kingdom would come on earth here in New Day and here in Kalamazoo as it is in heaven. And uh, I just pray that you would inhabit our, our homes and our lives in every way. And uh, we just give you place. We give you place. And we honor you today. We bless you in this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, turn in your uh, any prayer requests you have in the offering as well. All right. Adam Shockley has a testimony. Thank you, Sarah. All right. Well, I have a testimony about God's promises and trusting God, and when we are when we do trust God, how He is faithful. So, uh, as I was thinking about this. I realize there's a lot to it, so I'm going to try to condense. But if you want to hear the full story, God did a lot of stuff in between everything I'm going to talk about, too. But anyway, this spring, um, as, uh, as uh, my semester was finishing up, we were realizing really quickly that we were going to not have any money at all. Um, and I, I was substitute teaching, but that market really dries up when school's closed for the summer. 
and uh, so I was looking for another job, and I was having a hard time finding one, and uh, really just had to give it to God. We were within a few weeks of, of not having any money and no income, and I uh, didn't know what was going to happen. But God provided some random odd jobs throughout the summer from various places, and uh, that was a huge blessing, and we were able to you know, stay where we were living and, and pay our bills and keep the lights on and all that good stuff. So that was really good, and we were thankful. And we were really praying that God was going to provide money so that this Christmas we could fly home, fly home Tara's home in Washington to see her family, which she's only been with for Christmas one time since 1997. So we thought that would be a good thing. So we were really praying that God would provide for that money. So in the meantime, um, uh, we found out about this house that was for rent. And we were very happy with where we were living. We weren't looking to move, but this house was just a little bit more than what we were paying. We thought we'd check it out. We looked at it, and it was really, really nice. And it was a lot of things that we were looking for in a house. It had... um, has fruit trees and a big garden and a fire pit and a back porch and a deck area and uh, just very, very nice. And only being a little bit more, we're like, wow, maybe we could do this, but that would be like a really big stretch for us. We're just, things are tight as it is. But we prayed about it and uh, felt like God said, this is your house. This is, this is for you. So it was really exciting. We're like, okay, I don't know how we're going to afford this, but we're going to make it happen uh, because God said, God's going to make it happen because he said it was for us. So anyway, we decided to take a step of faith. We're going to do this. We're going to get the house. So real soon after we decided that, like within a day or two, I'm driving my car, and it starts making this really bad noise. And I don't know anything about cars, but I knew it was a bad noise. And uh, I had just passed where we always go to get my car fixed, so I just kind of turned around and went in there. And uh, he called me later in the day and said, it's really good that you uh, brought the car in. Um, and I don't know exactly what happened, but some sort of chain came loose, apparently, this is what this guy was thinking, and ruined the entire engine. And he said it would probably be thousands of dollars and we should just go car shopping at that point. And this was our good car, by the way, not the car that we were expecting to die at any moment. Um, so that was like, wow, all right, what are we going to do? We really need two cars at this point, and maybe that house thing isn't going to be able to happen. Um, and we had to give it all to God. The car just waited at the shop. We prayed about it. What are we supposed to do? And really felt like God said, no, go, f- go for it with the house. We didn't know what to do with the car. We're like, okay, fine. So we're following through. We actually uh, signed the lease. We had talked to the current place we were living about what happens when we cancel that lease, and they said there's a $100 fee. We're like, great. Um, so then when we went and got, gave them our fee, they're like, oh, you're also responsible for all the money uh, for rent up until the end of your lease also, which, you know, they hadn't told us about, which was $3,600, <laughs> which we, you know, didn't have 36 cents. So that was hard for us at that time. So it was really difficult, really uh, emotional time for us. And uh, what, the only way that that could be fixed is if, somebody, if we, there was somebody to move in right after we moved out. But there was absolutely nobody on the waiting list, and there was apartments open and ahead of ours that had to be filled. And we're talking a couple of weeks this all had to happen, and uh, so it was a scary situation. So we told our, the guy that owned the house about it, and we were real upfront with him. And, and he said, well, you know, I've had other people looking in the house, and... But, you know, the, the house told me that it wants you guys there. <laughs> and uh, I figure if God can speak through Balaam's donkey, he can speak through a house. So, anyway, we, we didn't need this house. We were happy where we were at. We could have, at that point, just stopped everything. Like, let's just stay where we're at. This is good. But, you know, God said that that house was for us. So we had a choice. Are we going to trust God? 
and go for what he has for us? Are we going to be content with really what was good? What we had was good. But we decided to trust him. We were going to, we were going to go for it. And um, so with not having uh, another car and uh, not having the money, we just decided, okay, we're going to do it. So anyway, I called the car place and said, can you just look at our car and see if there's something you can do, uh, find out exactly what the problem is, because he didn't even want to look at it because it was so bad. And he said, okay. And then he calls me back a couple hours later. He's like, well, I looked at it, and uh, we changed the oil, and uh, and it works fine now. And I... <laughs> And he, and he couldn't really figure out what had happened. <laughs> and he's trying to explain it to me, and, he's, and then he's kind of like putting it on me. He's like, well, you really need to get your oil changed more often. And I, <laughs> I'm like, he told me to go car shopping. <laughs> so I, we paid $80, and we got our car back. So that was awesome. God was faithful. And this was after we made the decision, yes, we're going to trust God. We're going to go for it. God provided our car. So anyway, um, lots of stuff happened. We ended up moving into the house, and uh, God provided people to move into our old place five days after we uh, moved in. We didn't, we didn't end up paying a dime of our, our extra rent. God provided everything. We didn't have to pay anything there. So the, the, all of our thousands of dollars that we thought we were going to have to come up with, we only paid $80. And uh, the last week, we bought tickets to go back to Washington for Christmas for his family. So. God keeps his promises. Yay! Give him a big hand! Big hand!